sometimes I take the time to do some sort of fake ads or ads to promote the Patreon here or something like that. But this week, I want to take uh, a more serious approach to this. One of our supporters slash fans, his name is Steve. He lives in the great state of Alaska. One of his family members, uh, a young girl named Bella, who's four years old, is suffering from leukemia. Obviously, that's awful. So we want to do our best to spread the word here and see if we can get any donations to help her towards her goal. What we're going to do is put the link on our Twitter at Blue Shirts Break. You can go there if you want to. You know, if you want to donate, that's great. If you can't, I totally understand. But if you could just retweet it and kind of spread the awareness, that would be awesome. Uh, I'll put it also in the description of this episode. You can click the link there and spread that. You know, share it anywhere you can. That would really help out a lot. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, no matter how much this team frustrates us and makes us want to rip our hair out, you know, we're all family together. Let's get this podcast started. Hey, Busher Breakaways! Welcome to another week of the Busher's Breakaway. I am your host Ryan Mead, and I'm here with my co-host Gregory Kaplan. Greg, say hello. So I got a note for you, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on blast a little bit because Holy shit, uh, that was quick. I know, right? Um, I've noticed something about you in your podcast. My podcast? Our yeah, podcast? When, when you podcast when uh when someone ends a statement with a kind of definitive point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you feel like you need to chime in right after that definitive point. You like to end that chime in with my friend. Really? Is that a call out? Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna listen to this tomorrow. Oh, no. Spoiler. We, we recorded our interview before we recorded what is going to be a very um, choice words will be used to describe Elaine Vigneault's oh, no. recent decisions, I would say. This is like what I called but, you out uh, on, you know. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 100%. Wow. Yeah, you're a big my friend. You're a big my friend guy. Oh no, I've never known I've done this. How could my you friend. do you're tearing me apart, Gregory? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so bummed that he didn't get to speak yesterday. I'm meeting but... him this Saturday. Oh, I like I like how at the end of the podcast we said no, not only Rangers yeah, talk sorry. today. Yeah, yeah, all right, let's get to the Rangers. <laughs> we we talked about we have to. yeah we talked about Leah Anderson and my dog's gonna join in this park at, podcast I don't know why he doesn't he's not in the second park I'm sorry um, we talked about Leah Anderson on the emergency pod over the weekend if you want to hear us talk about defending him and the silver medal we'll give our quick take real quick I love that guy I want him on my team uh, I'm ready to go I'm going to war for Leah Anderson I fucking love him give him the C now oh captain my captain I'm ready I'm ready for the future of him. I wasn't – I said this on the other podcast real quick, but I didn't really understand who he was as a person. This tells me everything I need to know about him. I'm all in. Um, Sign me up. Let's do a quick game recap. Played the Chicago Blackhawks to a 5-2 loss. It was uh, a closer game than it looks on paper. We lost we – were, we were pretty close to the third. We let, we let, we let up a goal. Then the entire – every single Blackhawks star scores a goal against us in a row, and we lose that game kind of going away. Any thoughts on, any thoughts on the Blackhawk game, my friend? <laughs> did, did you do that on purpose? No! <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Did you really not do that one on purpose? I, I, I want to be honest with you. I wish I was doing that to be funny. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I'm sitting here. I just I just put my head back in shame. In shame. Um, any thoughts on the Blackhawks game? No, we got outplayed. We got outplayed, got outplayed the whole time. Didn't deserve to win. That's what happens. Came off the Winter Classic. Maybe riding too high from a game that we won 
too close. A, a team, a team that wasn't the best than the Sabers. Moving, yeah, just I just got outplayed by the Blackhawks. Yeah, plain it, simple. It just happens. That happens. That yeah. was that wasn't a defeating loss. I wasn't like, man, we really should have beat the Blackhawks. Here's a game. Yeah, des- deserve to lose that game. Right. Here's when the problems start. And by the way, we were a little busy. We didn't really have. I haven't really thought about the Blackhawks game in a couple days because the whole the whole silver medal fiasco happened, and then the back to back. A lot has happened since the Blackhawks. Game. A lot. I, I I feel like that game and also the Ducks game that we won four one are games that are just like mysteries. I feel like they didn't happen, but I know they did. I don't know. I'm sure those games that are, are littered throughout the entire season that are like that, that sort of happened, but I kind of forget they did. Then, I mean, the Winter Classic feels like it was two months ago. It does. Oh, man. Time it was is, last week. Time is crazy. It was last week. How does time work? How do magnets work? I don't know. Let's talk mm-hmm. about the back-to-back over the weekend because this is when things get controversial. My pal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we play the Coyotes. The Coyotes, uh-huh. Greg, you might not know this. Not Worst a, team in the league? Not a good hockey team. Have 27 losses. No. Um, traded with them over the season. They have our backup goalie from last year, and they have our sure former top-line center, Derek Stepan. Derek yeah, yeah, those are those are all facts. We started Henrik Lundqvist. We did. And <laughs> we were we were convinced that they were going to start the back-to-back. That was a nice sign that we're going to. And then we'll get to the, the Knights game in a second, but it just makes no sense that the <laughs> worst team in the league, you would start your best goalie. Lump lump these two games together because it's 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 yeah. the same song, different verse. Come together. Really. I can't sing. Oh for me. It's it it's it's all this weekend was just a big heaping pile of stanky fucking shit. That's that's what this weekend was. Was it was it something else? Am I misreading it what this weekend was? No, I think a pile of shit is good. Have we been cursing more recently, or is it just me? Uh, we've been cursing more. Uh, I feel like it's because we're more frustrated than ever before. Can you ever recall a time, playoffs notwithstanding, where we've been this frustrated about since a we range of started teams? this podcast? I don't think so. I think this is the most frustrated I've been with the team. I, maybe the beginning of the season, but I still at that point I was like, okay, this team could turn it around. It might be a little bit too early. Maybe this team isn't good enough, but we'll see. Hank is a slow starter, and I had a bunch of excuses and logic in my head that could believe me that this team could turn it around. At this point, I'm I'm not sure I've been. This is kind of the point where I'm like, oh man. We might actually be in for the long haul here. Things might not be good. It's it's bad. I, things might not be good. I think that's putting it very lightly. I think things are bad. I think things are fucking terrible. It's funny. It's funny they, you say that because we just talked about that Coyotes and their life is terrible. Like they have no well, hope. Declare wants out. Stepan is obviously miserable. He almost cried in the post game interview when talking about Hank, and that team is miserable. We are in a playoff spot. I'm going to try but and play a little devil advocate. The, I'm going to try and fight a little bit. I know I'm going to lose. Here's, here's the difference between the Coyotes and the Rangers. The Coyotes aren't trying to be good. The That's, Coyotes know exactly what they are. The Coyotes want Rasmus Dahlin. They have a plan. Their plan is not to win 40 games this year and compete for a playoff spot. Do the Rangers have a plan? Is a plan evident for what the New York Rangers are trying to accomplish? Because whatever I, – I, I know what their goals are. But if they're trying to accomplish those goals, they're doing a fucking shit job at it. If the if the Rangers' goal, which it should be, is to win a Stanley Cup, this team is not capable of winning a Stanley Cup. This team, Ryan, is not capable of winning a playoff series right now. It's, this team is it, okay. Bad. I, I'm gonna again. I'm gonna play devil's advocate for a second. Try, try. My Hen- Henrik Lundqvist could win a playoff series by himself. 
Henrik Lundqvist can make a playoff series competitive. Uh, I think he can change the course of one or two games for sure. He cannot do it on his own. We, we know he can't do it on his own. If Henrik Lundqvist could do it on his own, we would have beaten the Senators. Uh, could it? Yes. Yes and no. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, mm-hmm. yes, you're right. There was, there was some deployment in those games that went very wrong. Right, but in theory, all Lundqvist had to do was stop those shots that were allowed by the poor defensive deployments. That's and true. He, and it's, first of all, unfair to ask Henrik Lundqvist to bail this team out every fucking time. And it, two, it is unfair, but I'm just saying we could theoretically win a playoff series. Now, is the playoff series against the Lightning? Yeah, then we're screwed. There's no way we ever win that playoff series. Uh, no, we lose that seven times out of seven. Yep. <laughs> nice one there. That's good math. Uh, yeah, no. Okay, so uh, why don't we cut right to the shit, right? Here's why we're frustrated about the Rangers today. And it's going to surprise you guys when we say it, but we are frustrated with the Rangers today because our head coach, Elaine Vino is a fucking moron. What? If you've heard this before, stop me. Wait, have you listened to Blue Shirts Breakaway in the past two years? <laughs> uh, I, I hate you know I say this every week too I hate that we keep having going back to this but he keeps doing things that yeah, he, he just he keeps providing us with reasons to do it right it's it's like there's I tell you. it's like there's these people on earth that no matter what you do they do no matter how many times they surprise you they still find new ways to do it I mentioned this on the website today and I'm just going to echo what I said there because I feel like it's going to get me the perfect amount of angry uh, to go on a little rant. Okay, go ahead. Let, let's review what Elaine Vigneault let's accomplished. Go, let's go ahead. I, I'm going to try and, after this, play some devil's advocate and then lose. Let's review okay. what Elaine Vigneault did this weekend. Um, by the way, the Rangers had, count them, two days to prepare for this weekend because they last played on Wednesday. Also, let's add in the fact that the Rangers' schedule was released sometime during the summer. So the Rangers knew this back-to-back was coming before their bye week. Because, like smart people, I assume they have reading comprehension. That might be a mistake. Anyway, we have a back-to-back against... Oh, Devil's Advocate. Yeah, I'm sure they could read, Greg. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Counterpoint accepted. Anyway, you're looking at a back-to-back on a Saturday and a Sunday against the aforementioned Arizona Coyotes, who, as we've said, are the worst team in the league. By every statistical measure you could find, they are firmly the worst. And then you have the surprising Vegas Golden Knights, who have the most points in the Western Conference and have the best home record in the NHL. And the Rangers will be in Vegas playing that game. So that's where we stand. We have the league's worst team against the Western Conference's best team and the league's best home team. If you're going to say that the Rangers will start Andre Pavlik in one of these games, if you had to take a guess, which is the logical game for your backup goalie to start, Ryan? Should I play the Jeopardy music now or just tell you the Arizona Coyotes? Yes, sir. That is correct. What is the Arizona Coyotes? Because even though Andrej Pavlik has been better than advertised this year, and I have on multiple occasions sung his praises directly in your face. And you I've do eaten not, that crow. You do not. Start your backup goalie against the best home team in the Western Conference. Isn't that saying that, isn't that saying to your team like, yep, we're ready to lose? 
Right. You're punting a fucking game. You say, <laughs> you know what? We're not going to win. So why even try? That's what it says. On paper, that's what. What's the counter argument? Well, we wanted to guarantee one of the two wins. Why don't you try and win both? How so about that? I could take, see. Take, I could see this is happening, uh, and I know you make crossword references all the time, and I'm going to do one right now. Sure. If Greg Popovich sits, uh, let's go back two years ago, uh, so people will know. Tim Duncan, manager nobly, uh-huh. and Kawhi uh-huh. at the same time. Yep. You know they're throwing that game, but somehow the, the Spurs end up winning those games anyway sometimes. But you can't Maybe do that. Maybe it's because he's just a superior coach. That's true. That's true. But you can't really do that in hockey. But you weren't really resting Pavel Buchnevich and Ed Smith. That wasn't the reason you were sitting. Oh, them. we have we have not even gotten there yet. You're jumping a little bit further ahead of my me. My point is, you're you're when you start Pavlik against the best team in the West, you go, guys. I know we're not good enough to compete. I know we're not. It's a different sport. It's just I know for a fact our team isn't good enough to play against the Vegas Knights. Now I will say this. I will say this. Um, I did not feel. Like the Rangers were playing at a significant disadvantage by playing Pavlik against the Golden Knights. Agree. Maybe that it was. Is, maybe that it wasn't not, that big a deal. Well, no, 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 no. Okay, uh, okay. Here's the thing. It's not even that the Rangers are exponentially worse with Pavlik in goal over Hank. Um, I don't think I am breaking any news to anyone that even though Pavlik has played well this year, Henrik Lundqvist is still the better goalie. Like that's 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 not that's not surprising to hear. I, can I just uh, side note for a second? We sure. we officially sound like insane people. <laughs> ah, well, that's because we're trying to rationalize what Elaine Vigneault does on every fucking night. I, I think if you listen and you took clips of the last couple weeks of us talking about Elaine Vigneault, this will be the most, like, sort of serial killery for both of, <laughs> for both of us. <laughs> like, ooh, you really think so? Ooh, you think he's actually a good coach out there? <laughs> it's, my, this is, my this is where we are. Anyway. My friend. Uh, Lundquist my friend. should be starting against the better competition. Because on a nightly basis, your number one goal should be to put your team in the best position to win. And if that means starting your backup goalie against the league's worst team, who your backup goalie has already beaten this season, then you play your backup goalie against the bad team. Not not novel concept. (laughs) Um, We are going insane. Uh, that's 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 point number one. That on its own would have warranted a little um, unrest from me, I would say. Yeah. Let's go to point number two. Let's go to point and two. Point two is a big one, right? Point two was this was so bad that Blue Shirts Banter wanted to team up with us. That's how let's, bad it was. Uh, let's take a flashback to about, I'm going to say, five o'clock yesterday afternoon. Yeah, let's go. Hi. Was sitting on my couch, just finished watching maybe the most boring playoff game I've ever watched in my entire life. But it ended exactly how I thought it would end with Nathan Peterman throwing an interception because that's all Nathan Peterman does. Um, Go, Bills, go. Anyway, no circle. I think to myself, "Hmm, I have work tomorrow at 3 a.m. I know I'm not going to be able to stay up for this Ranger game. I'm just going to shut down for the night, go to bed early, get a good night's sleep. Whatever happens in this Ranger game happens, I'll catch up on it in the morning. So I did. Turned my phone off, went to bed, put on Gangs of New York, had some weird dreams. It was a great night. Dale Day-Lewis. Let's flash forward to 2.30 a.m. this morning when I'm finally dragging myself out of bed. 
yes, I do have to be at work at 3 a.m. I'm happy you remembered that part of the story. No, I don't go to work on time. Anyway, <laughs> I look at my phone and I see, ah, the Rangers lost two to one against the Golden Knights. Well, this team really struggles to score in five on five situations. This scoreline really doesn't surprise me against the best home team in the West. And then I get notifications on our Twitter account saying, care to comment? And I'm like, comment, comment on what? We lost. I, I, this, I don't know if I can be super angry about this loss. No, no, Greg. No, no. Not that the Rangers lost, but that Pavel Buchnevich, the Rangers' third leading scorer and second best, or dare I say, best playmaker on the team, was a healthy scratch. Was he injured, Ryan? He was not injured, according to Lane Vigneault. He was not even tired. Elaine Vigneault just felt like the Rangers would be a better team if Buchnevich didn't play. What just... the fuck are you smoking? <laughs> what is it? What is it? I want to know. Is what it, is wrong with you? Ice? Is it synthetic marijuana? Is it crack cocaine? Are you literally lighting up heroin and ingesting it straight into your fucking mouth? What is it? But Greg, what? Pavel Buchnevich hasn't scored since December 10th. Oh, Ryan, if I could fart in this microphone right now, I would, but I can't because I do not have the body control to do that. What is this man smoking? And then not just what is this man smoking? What is a portion of our fan base fucking sniffing out of a paper bag where they think it's justifiable not to play Pavel Buchnevich when this team cannot score in five on five situations? Because Ryan, I don't know if you know this, if you take away one of your best playmakers, <laughs> goals just happen. <laughs> Yeah, it's how, a, it's how, a, it's how, a, how, how, how the fuck does Elaine Vigneault come to the conclusion that the Rangers were better off against the best team at home in the Western Conference without his best playmaker? How, how the fuck do you get to that conclusion? I need to know. I need to know more than anything else in my entire life because this is this is like fucking next level Minecraft that I can't even wrap my mind around it's like calculus two and i'm still in pre-algebra by the way minecraft is a very popular game for kids anyway um <laughs> and i can't play that game so kids are fucking smart and i am a dumb dumb talked about that um let's there's no like i want to play defend av like maybe no, he, you said you're gonna do it my friend so, right, do so, it. so here we go pavlovich maybe he's seen in practice or other places that he hasn't been performing. He hasn't liked his effort on the ice. He wants to sit Brandon Smith because he also he wants to send a message to to them saying, "Listen, I'm not going to play you unless you step up your game and you become a more active player." Now, that's about as much as I can do. I okay. Before I jump back on the Buchnevich bandwagon, yes. let's talk about Smith for a second. Okay. In a vacuum, Ryan. Yes. It is not the end of the world that the Rangers decided to bench Brandon Smith for a night because, quite honestly, he's been bad. Yep, that's fine. He has been good this year. Here's the problem with benching Brandon Smith. It works if you have a better option. It doesn't work when you put Steve Kampfer in the lineup, who is not a better option. And then not only are you going to put Steve Kampfer in the lineup over Brandon Smith, strike one, you're then going to play him more minutes than Brady Shea, strike two. And not only are you going to play him more minutes than Brady Shea, you're going to be angry when you lose. This is what this really like lends itself to my theory of AV knew he was throwing this game. He played the fourth line more than anyone, and he played Camper more than anybody. 
It was insane. The top line minutes were limited. Well, hold on. <laughs> well, you just you keep peeling back layers to this onion because you brought up the fourth line, Ryan. I'm so happy that you did. Okay. Uh, first of all, let's let's discount Boone Nieves' minutes because Kevin Hayes only played three minutes due to an injury. We don't know how serious that injury is with Kevin Hayes. We hope to learn more during this bye week. And quite honestly, this bye week couldn't have come at a better time because if the Rangers are going to be without Kevin Hayes, <laughs> they're fucked. Anyway, the lines that Elaine Vigneault decided to roll out last night for his forwards without Pavel Buchnevich. So we've taken out the Rangers' second-best playmaker or best playmaker, again, depending on how you view him and Matt Zuccarello. He and, is no and, longer and in the And Zibanejad, he's top three for sure. I would uh, – as a finisher. When I think of playmakers, I think of Zuccarello and Buchnevich. That's fair. Anyway, not to get off the point, Buchnevich is now out of the lineup, which in our mind means that the Rangers have a hole in their top six because – not even a night ago, Buchnevich was on the top line with Zibanejad and Miller. So let's also think of the ridiculousness that in one night, Buchnevich has gone from top line winger to not even going to dress for this game. Right. So there's now a hole in our top six, Ryan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it is not Rick Nash who is going to get moved back up into the top six. No, no. He's going to sit his ass on that third line with fucking David DeHarnay and Jimmy VC. It is not Michael Grabner, who has 18 goals this season and seems to be the one Ranger player able to finish anything and put a puck in the back of the net. No, 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 no. He's going to get demoted to the fourth line because reasons. And that opens up a spot on the Rangers' second line for Paul fucking Carey. But but Carey's been hot. You played the hot hand. Carey has been fine. He has. And you and I ate a teaspoon of crow Mm, because we criticized him probably when it was not fair to do so. It wasn't. Paul Carey has proven to be a completely fine fourth line winger who provides some scoring upside in limited amount of time on ice. It's fair. What Paul Carey is not is a top six winger who should be getting north of 15 minutes of ice time. I didn't think that was a really crazy opinion to have of Paul Carey. Again, it makes it feel like a throwaway game. He's sort of resting his guys, saying but we're not going to win this game. Fucking say it. Fucking, there are plenty of times, Ryan, how many times in baseball, when you have a day game after a night game on the weekend, the manager just trots out his entire bench, and before the game goes, look, my guys are tired, we're still playing to win this game, but we're going to have to do it with our backups today. The managers say that all the time. It's a common occurrence. It happens, especially if you have a getaway day two and your team's about to get on an airplane. You just rest your stars for a game and you give it a go. But managers are smart enough to say that because fans are smart enough to accept that. If- Elaine Vino decides to say none of those things. He could have said Buchnevich was tired and nursing an injury. Everyone would have been like, that's fine. He could have said Brandon Smith hasn't been cutting it. He's a little worn down too. Fans wouldn't have complained about that too. They probably still would have complained that Steve Kampfer is on this roster, but that's also Jeff Gorton's fault for not replacing Kampfer. AV says those things. I don't think you or I are angry about these things. We're probably still angry about the goalie shit, but we're not angry about putting people on the ice when he puts them on the ice. The reason why we're angry is because 
Elaine Vigneault spits out his fucking double bubble, decides to sit up there and says, oh, you know what? It felt right. What the fuck does that even mean? It felt right. That, that's the worst answer possible. All you have to do answer. is come out and say, it's not an answer. Listen, it's not an answer. It's not. You just come out and say, listen, my guys were tired. I knew we we're going to have to win with our, our, our players tonight that aren't our stars, that aren't our top players. Those guys have to step it up. They're hockey, professional hockey players too. They can win this game. Wow. Holy shit. How hard is that? Ryan, if you were in an English class and you're reading To Kill a Mockingbird and your teacher asks you, now, Ryan, why do you think Atticus Finch took this case on? And you just said, I, you know what? I think, he, I think he just, it felt right. You know what that teacher's grade would be? A fucking F. And then smack you upon the head because punishment should be a thing in the classroom too. <laughs> you, you'd get a failing grade for that. It blows my mind that no one had a fucking follow-up question. Not one person was like, what, what, what do you mean it felt right? And then when AV says, you know what I mean, it felt right. You go, no, 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 no. No, 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 Explain. Elaborate. Tell us, why did it feel right? Is someone nursing an injury? Is someone legs a little slow? Did you see something in practice? Were you worried about the performance from the Coyotes game in the Vegas game? Did you just want to rest your players before a bye week so they weren't ran into the ground? Say fucking something. Beat reporters, ask a fucking question. You're paid money to ask a question. And instead, you're just like, well, you said it felt right. So I guess we're just going to jot that down. And <laughs> Fuck you, guy. All of you. Even though half of you are probably blocking us at this point in time. Ask a fucking question. Like, I, I'm so angry at AV that I'm now just angry at everything. Like, fuck Gorton. Fuck the beat reporters. Fuck Lindy Ruff, who hasn't done shit with this defense. Fuck Steve Kampfer for being awful. Fuck Paul Carey for not being on the fourth line. Fuck Pavel Buchnevich for deciding just to tell AV to stick it up his ass and go not going back to fucking Russia. Fuck everything. This team sucks, Ryan. This team's not good. This team does not deserve to make the playoffs. You know, if it wasn't for Henry Blundquist and Andre Pavlik, we should be fucking last in the division. I I I just gonna say this because I I love to bring this point up. You know we do this for fun, right? <laughs> we love this. We? we love this team. That's the crazy part. That's the crazy I, part. I, I, I love the shield. I don't know if I love the team anymore. Oh, boy. Let's go. I just how, – how, Ryan, does Elaine Vigneault have a job? Uh, how does he have a job? I was reading the comments that the Vancouver Canucks said after they, they fired him or got rid of him or he left, whatever okay. happened. Incredible, uh, right? And they are very eerily similar to what's happening to us. You can't manage young talent. He relies too heavily on veteran players that are underqualified at what he wants to do. He doesn't know how to develop uh, any defensive prospects. Uh, and he leans heavily on elite goaltending. Huh. Incredible. Huh. Is he done? Wow, that's so a, weird. I've never lived that life before. Let's go talk to our good friend Drew Way about, if, how, if we must. about analytics in this team. What we, why, what's up with Puchnevich and if there, if there's any way to deserve a benching, Brendan Smith and some other, other Ranger topics. Other, other. Are you ready, my friend? <laughs> that one I was on purpose. That was on purpose, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> that one was too. That was too. That was too. All right. Transition. We're back with our special guest of the day. He is the head editor, the head, the backbone of BlueShirtsBreakaway.com, Drew Way. Drew, say hello. Hello. I get a special guest at this time. Nice. I think I'm you're big... special now. Isn't that nice? Uh, it depends on how you're using the word special. I know that word has a couple different connotations. Drew, you're so special. <laughs> um, <laughs> Drew, right? Drew does a great job for BlueShirtsBreakaway.com. You write what I would like to call Drew Thesis, um, which you somehow make analytics readable for people like me who can't read analytics. 
And I appreciate that about you, Drew. Um, yeah, you, Greg was saying I'm working. What, what was the term Greg was using? I'm working on my my anthology or some shit like that. Did I say anthology? That sounds like something I would say. Yeah, that sounds yeah, right. Yeah. So listen, Drew, Drew, you're writing a piece right now about the very hot topic of this player named Pavel Buchnevich, who may or may not be somewhat of a controversial figure on this Rangers team. Is that correct? Yeah, so every week we do the blue shirt, the breakaway takeaways piece where kind of Greg and I and miscellaneous other writers on the site sort of just give our thoughts on what happened for the week. And I honed in on how fucking stupid it is that Buchnevich was the one that got healthy scratched. And, and to be clear, like, I, I try to be pretty level-headed when we're writing. You know, Keatner gave me some good advice, especially when I'm doing analytics stuff. You know, you don't want to come across as a snob. You don't want to make comments like, well, because of these numbers, you know, this is definitely the case. But um, I'm sorry. There is literally no justification for healthy scratching Pavel Buchnevich. None. Well, mm-hmm. let's talk mm-hmm. about some of those background underlying numbers. I saw you posted a chart on Twitter, but I'd like to kind of recap some of that here. What doesn't Pushnevich lead the team in pretty much? Is it top five in pretty much everything? Yeah, he's pretty much top five in all the stats you want to be top five in. Um, you know, so the chart that I threw on Twitter that I took from the article that we ran today, and uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I love how in in uh, immersed Ryan is with his own website that he doesn't even know where these things originate from. I knew it came from the website, but I saw it on Twitter. It said, it literally says in the tweet, "I took this from Butcher uh, Breakaway Takeaway." I read the shit. Relax. <laughs> but yeah, no, I didn't read the piece today. Sorry. But go on. <laughs> yeah, so pretty much, well, so I took that chart and put it on Twitter. And it's it takes, the, you know, it's got your typical stats that everyone will know. So I put, you know, goals, assists, primary assists, and points for both all situations and just 5v5 situations. And to clear something up, someone asked me why I always specify 5v5 and not even strength. And it's because with a lot of data, even strength includes when another team pulls their goalie. And so 5v5 does not. And that's kind of by specifically using 5v5 data, you're stripping out, you know, that sort of white noise that happens there when there's a goalie pulled. Um, but yeah, Kreider, uh, Kreider, uh, Buchnevich. Rest in pre- peace. Yeah, Buchnevich, shit. Uh, Buchnevich is in the top three in almost every single stat. Um, he's third in all situation goals tied with Kreider. He's fourth in 5v5 goals. And I think that's important to note too, because everyone kind of will make the comment, oh, well, Booch's stats are inflated because he plays on the power play. Well, most of this data is 5v5. So yeah, when you look at all situations, it's even better because it is bolstered by the power play, but he's still one of the best players on the team, not on the power play. And then you get these idiots that say that Bucinevich is a sieve in his own zone, and that's not the case in the least. He actually is towards the top of the team and a lot of the defensive metrics as well. And, you know, keep in mind, a lot of the, to- a lot of the reason why his defensive metrics are so good is because he's so freaking good at offense that the puck is never in the defensive zone because him and his linemates carry the play in the offensive zone. But what's that saying? The best, you know, defense is a good offense. That's pretty much what Buchnevich is. Yeah, but Drew, he has, he's only scored two goals since December or something, something. Yeah, fuck you. How about that? <laughs> oh, my God. The- what, what was going on? Greg, had a, Greg said something on Twitter recently. <laughs> it was like, what was it? How is this for childish hyperbole? Fuck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I got, I got real tired. Oh my God. The, the funny thing is that wasn't even about Buchnevich. That was about, that was about Leas. Um, our boy Elias. And it was just <laughs> some, uh, one of our lovely followers who God bless his soul 
interacts with us a lot and you know he does continue the conversation forward i will give him credit for that but sometimes he could just be so goddamn exhausting and he he threw out something like juvenile hyperbole and i said how's this for juvenile hyperbole <laughs> fuck you yeah, I, was tagged, I was tagged on that whole thing that all spurred by me responding to something that he asked us and, and i like this guy a lot for the record he Supports everything, every single it's, thing I like. He likes and he favor. You know, he. Well, we should give let's, let's give at least Kurt a shout out. Kurt's a yeah. Kurt on. Yeah. I don't forgot. I'm gonna look up Kurt's Twitter name so we can talk about him. But go on. I, I love I love Kurt. He is great. And to be honest, he a lot of times he'll point out things to me. He, he I think he's like a philosophy professor or something. And Makes so he's got a different total ways. sense. Yeah, he's he's got a different way of thinking about things, which I appreciate. But boy, did he <laughs> yeah. he pushed big buttons the other day, and I was dying laughing when all of a sudden I just see Greg respond with, how is this for juvenile hyperbole? Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, it's Kurt, Kurt1124 on Twitter, and he is currently a philosophy PhD candidate, which could not make more sense in my brain. Yeah, there's a part of me that feels bad, but at the same time, it was just – it, it was building up. There were a lot of – that that situation brought out a lot of dumb people, and then it, it, I didn't even get any break. It's the Buchnevich situation brought out even more dumb people. And it, I think Kurt's a good sport though, because he just he responded to you with just saying, "Well done." <laughs> right, right. And I didn't I didn't press the issue further. I said, I, I believe I just said, "Thank you, Kurt." Um, Kurt killing the airtime on Buchnevich breakaway tonight. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but, no, the, it's just the people. I don't understand how. This there was a different issue earlier this year where I said there's no longer any gray area and stuff like the Buchnevich situation happens. It really just reinforces the point because I I just I don't I I don't understand the mindset of a portion of this fan base that thought benching Buchnevich was a good idea. It, yeah, and you know what I get that people are saying you know Paul Carey's been doing well. Yeah, Paul Carey has been doing well. I'm not saying specifically sit Carey for Buchnevich. Honestly, I, there are literally nine other forwards on the team I would bench before Buchnevich. I'm the biggest Rick Nash supporter in the world. I love him. I'd bench his ass ten times before I'd bench Pavel Buchnevich. Even if you're going to say Paul Carey's been playing well, there's no justification to put him on a line ahead of both Rick Nash and Michael Grabner. Wow. I'm not even. I'm not even the biggest Michael Grabner supporter in the world. I think a lot of what he does is kind of created by the teammates he plays around. But if, if you're really looking for an injection of goals on your second line, why is Paul Carey the guy that's going up there instead of Nash, who is just puck dry, but otherwise creating ample opportunity, and Michael Grabner, who is the one guy in the Rangers that's been finishing this entire season? Yeah, no, it's it's mind numbing. And, you know, like, I, there, there are so, like, I think people are just reaching to try to defend AV. You have, yeah, I actually posted on Twitter recently what's more annoying, eternal optimists or eternal pessimists? And you have these types that are your eternal optimists where they just always assume, you know, the people above them know better. And so they're just assuming there's some fucking hidden thing there that A.V. must know that we don't. Hmm, how about maybe we know that Buchnevich is one of the best players on the team and A.V. does it. But even to that, some people are like, well, maybe Buch is hurt. So fucking say that. Don't come out afterwards and say, well, I looked at the matchup and this is the I thought was right or whatever his stupid ass quote was. Like, just say, eh, you know what? He's He's been down recently. We wanted to give his legs a little bit of a break. That would have been fine. That would have ended all this crap right there. Yeah, that this isn't the first time where AV had, he could have used an injury as an excuse. And he's just said, no, this was a gut feeling. This is something I thought would be right for the team. It, 
it and comes he, off as an excuse to say a guy is a little run down or hurt. But at the same time, it stops people from asking questions. I don't think I would have had a problem saying, oh, well, if Buchnevich is run down, why try and push him on a back-to-back in one, Vegas against one of the best home teams in the NHL? I would have been. I would have said fine. I wouldn't have loved it. I still would have had a problem with Paul Carey on the second line. But you diffuse an entire conversation from happening. And either Elaine Vino doesn't understand that mentally or he's just not smart enough to get there. Honestly, that, I both are likely. I can see he doesn't give a shit. That, uh, there's no benefit to just saying that, no, this was what I wanted to do. It doesn't, is, is the goal to motivate Buchnevich? Like, uh, Buchnevich doesn't even know English. And that's how you're going to motivate him? <laughs> well, say he does a little bit of English. He probably knows what bench means, right, at this point. He knows what press box means because he does it all the time. I just, why wouldn't you just come out and say he's injured? He's not injured. There's no way he's injured. Well, I mean, you don't have to say he's injured. You can just say he's feeling tired. The NHL season is fucking hard. There's the 82-game season. It's one of the biggest grinds of all the sports. You know, dudes need a break here and there. I mean, look at the NBA. NBA rests their stars all the time. I'm perfectly fine if you want to give a guy a night off here and there. Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. One, it doesn't make any sense that he does just doesn't say that. And he goes with – he tries to justify it by saying it's a coaching decision and that it's in his gut. And two – uh, it's the fact that it seems like he doesn't treat every – I'm not saying every player should be treated the same, but he clearly holds different players to different standards. Okay. And it, it, it's odd that he's asking more from Pavel Buchnevich, who is hands down one of the Rangers' two best playmakers. You're either choosing him or Matt Zuccarello. I really don't know if there's a bigger conversation outside of that. He's holding Buchnevich to this standard. Meanwhile – David DeHarnay seems to get away with highway robbery. Paul Carey, as we've seen since he scored a couple goals on the fourth line, is now fucking McJesus. And look no further than Nick fucking Holden. How many? I I I honestly miss the days of Dan Girardi where I could like gripe on him because all I do now is gripe on Nick Holden. Well, the thing about the best gripe on the Mark Stahl is Nick Holden. (laughs) The thing about Girardi is though, even though we shit on him, like we love Dan. Like, we actually, at the end of the day, like, I love Dan Girardi for who he was as a Ranger, what he provided for this team, and what he gave to this team. He's got those blue eyes. Yeah, and that jawline, that sexy jawline. Which, he took a uh, well, the, last night, by the way. Yeah, poor guy. Frankly, oh. he made a fucking steal, and he's fine, but that... He got hit in the back of the head with a puck. That was tough, man, tough to watch. But and the, thing, the thing that makes me even angrier in hindsight with Dan Girardi is we're now seeing... A guy like Mark Stahl, when protected, can be still somewhat effective in the defensive zone. All all AV had to do last year was try and protect Dan Girardi, and he couldn't even do that. He left Girardi out to dry, and it made him look worse than he was. Yep. Yeah, no argument for me, especially with the system that AV runs. The you know, partial man overload system that he likes exposes slower skaters. Especially, and then, so not only is Girardi slow, a slow skater now, but then you're putting him on the first line and asking him to go up against the best competition. No shit, he looked awful. And this year in Tampa, he's been fine. He's been playing on the third line where he should be, and he's been fine. He's had a couple hilarious gaffes like that own goal a couple weeks ago, but he, he's been fine. Can I ask you, Drew, about Brennan Smith? Sure. What is was the benching of Brennan Smith justified? Do the analytics back that up for Brennan Smith? Has he been as terrible? I, I don't. I haven't really noticed Brennan Smith. Is that a good or a bad thing? Uh, I mean, usually when you don't notice defender that isn't an offensive defenseman, it's a good thing. Um, 
Smith's been okay recently. If we had a better option than Camper, the plug-in, then it wouldn't be that big of a deal to me. And, you know, Camper is just your prototypical quad A defenseman. He does nothing for me. I don't mind having him as a seventh defenseman because it's whatever. You sit your ass in the press box, and in case of emergency, you can throw him out on the third line for a game, and it's okay. But I would never bench Brendan Smith for him. One thing I will say is uh, whenever it was when Brendan Smith initially got benched, what was it, like 10 games into the season, I remember hopping on Corsica and looking up his data, and <laughs> this isn't hyperbole. He was literally the worst defenseman in the NHL. Hmm, okay. When you look at like Corsi against and shot quality against and expected goals against, he was literally the worst defenseman in the entire NHL. So he did deserve to get benched then. I, don't, I would not have kept him benched for half a month. But he deserved that benching. I don't really think he deserved this one. He hasn't been great, but he's been better than whatever the hell Stephen Camper is going to give you. Reminder, it, we it, traded, like, serious assets for Brandon Smith. <laughs> I, I think that was a two second-round picks for a guy that was pretty awesome for us last year. If, if, without Brandon Smith, we don't get past Montreal in the first round. That's fair. Uh, but now he's on the team because we wanted him, and we signed him for a pretty good contract, and we're benching him? Yeah. And it, it once again goes back to the rationale. AV could have said that Smith needed a breather, and his reasoning was just, no, nah, I want to get Camper in the lineup before the bye week. There's, there should never be a situation where you want to get Steve Camper in the lineup. The only situation Steve Camper should be in the lineup is in case of an emergency, break class. Right, exactly. He's he a seventh defenseman that way. He stays in the press box. You don't need him to develop. He's already 29. He's not going to be any better than he is now. But you have an injury in practice, boom, plug in Camper for a game and you're fine. And you know what? I'll take it one step further. If AV was dying to get Steve Camper in the game, play him against the fucking Coyotes, yep. who are the worst team in the NHL. Why? 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 And I know I've ranted about this already on the podcast, but why were Pavlik and Camper the options to go against the fucking Knights? And I, I, I have been Pavlik's biggest supporter in the world, but that's just illogical coaching. It doesn't make any sense. You're playing literally the worst team in the NHL. If you're not going to start your backup goalie against the worst team in the NHL, when the fuck are you going to start him? <laughs> and then if their answer is, well, I'll start him against the best team in the West, that's asinine. You stupid <laughs> French Canadian fuck. What? <laughs> the thing is, no, I don't have a thing. That was it's, it's terrible. I, I, there's, there's no explanation for it. We kind of predicted on the podcast last week. We we're like, Pavlik has to start one of these games, and you kind of jokingly said he'll start against the Knights, and I was like, there's no way. No, 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 no. I went one step further. I said Hank was starting both games. That's true. You did say that. Listen. <laughs> I, also, I, I, I would have would have preferred Hank to start I, both games, and that's not a knock on Pavlik. It just it would have. It would have been at least predictable. Like, what AV did instead is just stupid. Drew, we let up 39 shots against the Coyotes. They're, yeah, on defense. They're one of the worst teams in the league. How do we fix the – I believe I saw a stat, maybe – and correct me because you're a stat guy, and you might not know this, but we're third in the league or we're third worst in the league for shots against now? Um, I, At one point, we were dead last or second to last. So, if we're Good. third, that's an improvement. Um, let's two things first. So you asked about Smith before and I pulled up his Corsica page right now. Right. And he's still dead last on the team in almost every single per 60 defensive metric. He's last in expected goals against per 60. He's last in Corsi against per 60. He's last in Fenwick against per 60. 
Um, and for anyone that's not familiar, Corsi, all shot attempts. Any hook directed towards the net is goes into Corsi. Fenwick strips out blocked shots. The methodology is blocking shots is a skill. People do it on purpose. So you strip out blocked shots for Fenwick. Expected goals is a model that takes into account both shot quality and quantity. And yeah, so Brendan Smith is dead last in all those metrics uh, on the ring. <laughs> okay, uh, that's good. So maybe that he did need a day off, if that's the case. But I mean, most of those are probably still being weighed down from how fucking atrocious he was to start the season. Right. Um, and I remember looking at some of the you know the game scores here and there, a couple, you know, over the past few weeks. And I mean, he hasn't been good, but he hasn't been awful. He's been meh. Man, at best. Okay. Not a contract, though, so far. That's for sure. Not at all. And we have three more years of that wonderful contract. How does this, does this team, Drew, stop letting up so many shots? Fire a coach. That, that's a good start. Wow. The, coach, the coach's defensive system is just – it's just broken. It's – you know, so what, what, what the Rangers do in the defensive zone is they employ a partial man overload system. So what it is is if you ever watch in the Rangers when the opponent has the puck in their zone – You'll notice that there's always three guys up against the boards if the puck goes over to the boards. And there's a fourth guy like right behind those three. And then the fifth guy is kind of in the middle of the ice in no man's land. That's purposeful. That's not people. Ch- and then the Rangers on purpose kind of chase the play. What they want to do is turn the puck over and then move it up for, you know, because you know everyone talks about their counterattack system. This mm-hmm. is one of the things that tries to fuel it. They try to force the turnover and get the puck up the ice. Um, problem is... If the other team gets the puck across to the ice where there's only the one guy kind of sitting there, it leads to a high-quality scoring chance almost every single time. This system is fine if you have a lot of good skaters and a lot of very smart positional guys. You know, McDonough is a good skater. Shea's a good skater. Shattenkirk is a fine skater but not great. He's more, you know, smart positionally and a good puck mover. Smith is, an, is a fine skater. Stahl can't skate to save his life. And Holden's just an idiot. Poor Holden. Like, I, I mean, mean, I, I kind of feel bad for him because he's been put in this position. That it's really not fair. He's, well, I mean, it's not his fault. He's a third-pairing defenseman who is getting asked to shut down the likes of Sidney Crosby and every night. So, it's, And it is just not working, my friend. That's what, like, one thing people have to keep in mind when they're like, well, who else are we going to put with McDonough? Literally, well, first of all, literally anybody. Just give something a shot. It's clear that this isn't working. Shatter. But second of all, you know, by pairing someone with McDonough, that means you're playing against the team's best players. Nick Holden can't do that. He's proven this over and over and over and over again. And one of you just wh- uh, whispered Shattenkirk. Okay. Yeah, I'm totally on board with that. Give it a shot. If it doesn't work, whatever. We're in the same fucking situation we are right now. That's that's one thing about – I don't know if it's just this fan base. It feels like it's just Ranger fans because I, I don't in- encounter this with other teams I root for. Ranger fans have this weird mindset, at least some of them. I, I will not paint such a broad brush to say everyone. But there's this mindset that, um, well, w- when someone says, well, what else are they going to do, and you suggest something, they'll fire back with, well, we don't know if that's going to work, so why change this now? That's the whole fucking point. Yeah, you, you change it because it's definitely not working. So you try and fix it. And then if you realize, well, that doesn't fix it, then you change it again. And you keep changing it until it's fixed. If something is broken, you don't just sit there and go, well, that's it. It's in two pieces. I guess we have two of it now. No, you, 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 you do something. You don't just sit on your hands. Like there was an argument today on Twitter. Well, if you're, if you're going to fire AV, who are you going to hire? That's honestly not my worry anymore. I don't know who the Rangers are going to fire. I'm not smart enough 
Drew, I know you actually have a good list of people you think the Rangers should be interested in, but I admit I am not a smart enough Ranger fan to be like, well, here's my list of 12 candidates that I think are better than Elaine Vigneault. I understand it's not going to be an overnight fix to find a new head coach. That doesn't mean the current head coach should stay. The current head coach is incompetent and needs to be removed from this team. Otherwise, the, the Rangers just aren't very good. The Rangers should not be in a playoff position right now. The only reason they are is because of their goaltending. And their goaltending has been beyond phenomenal this entire season. Both Hank and Pavlik, when given the chance, have overperformed. So if you remove the goaltending from it, all you get is just a shitty fucking team. And a shitty fucking team should not be third in the Metropolitan Division. We're technically right now we are fourth. Um, the Blue Jackets, the Devils, and the Capitals are ahead of us at this moment of recording at 6.52 p.m. on January 8th. And the Penguins are coming up hot. We still have two games in hand on them, but there's two points behind us. And I have to say, that team's pretty good when they get hot. So I, I, I would say that we're going to be trying to – oh, the Islanders in last now? What the hell happened? Holy shit. They went on a five-game losing streak. That's what happened. Wow, geez. And we play them right after the, the bye week. Let's talk a little bit about the bye week now. After the bye week happens, we have, I believe, eight games or six games in eight days. That's what it is. It's uh, brutal. Yeah, I was looking at it the other day. It's it's fucking brutal. Uh, you know, I'm gonna just I'm gonna do a Mike Francesa real quick and and list these off. We have a back to back against the Islanders and the Penguins on Saturday and Sunday as soon as we get off the bye week. Then that week on the the Tuesday and Thursday we play the Flyers and to the Sabers, and then we do another back to back. With the against the Avalanche and the Kings, so two back to backs in eight days. That's absolutely brutal. Two of those games are going to be scheduled losses. We're going to be not in a really good position, and that somehow, and I know we joke about this, that pen, that game against the Penguins is actually a big game. I know it's two points, but theoretically, it's going to be an actual big game because we're going to be trying to fend them off in the Metro. So playing the Islanders and the Penguins is going to matter a lot to this team. We both know, well, all three of us know Hank is playing both games against the Islanders and Penguins. And the justification will be, well, he just had five days off. Not more than that, six days off because he didn't play against the, uh, the Vegas Knights. That's true. Uh, and is Ryan. Um, so, Ryan, this is a good question for you, actually. Yes, uh, I know you said you want to learn a bit more about some of the analytics. Are you familiar with the stat goal saved above average? Of course I'm not. <laughs> so long long story short it kind of benchmarked it takes into account the shot quality and the scoring chance quality that goalies face yep i say all right this is how many goals your goaltender has saved above what the average goalie would have done okay is now third in the entire nhl on that stat and he was like bottom half after the first month of the season so he is climbing those ranks he's been unbelievable this whole year it's a, it's a renaissance year for him He's trying to carry this team to the playoffs. I don't know if you got the chance to watch the Step On interview afterwards, but he said Hammer's the king for a reason. He puts that team on his back. He's not lying. Step On knows how this goes. He's trying. Henrik knows he has a two-year window left. Might be this. This might be the last year. Hell, if I know, I can't tell the future. Thing is, the team around him isn't good enough. It's not going to be good enough. We're going to have a nice first-round exit, even if we get there at this point. And uh, to, to Hank's credit, I was talking, I got involved in a conversation on Twitter like, like a week ago. Um, this uh, woman, Catherine Silverman, she writes for The Athletic. She's a goaltender expert. I saw her going back and forth with a couple people about how apparently last year, Benoit Lair worked a lot with Henrik to be more aggressive with the, the thought process being Lundqvist was always famous for playing deep in his own net, and he would rely on his instincts to make saves. 
Well, the, uh, reflexes, I mean. Well, your reflexes are pretty much the first thing to go once you start to get older. And so Benoit Lair last year, starting in the, the offseason prior to last season, started working on him to be more aggressive, to come out more because he can't rely on those reflexes in the way he used to. Last year, what they were saying was a bit of a bumpy road because Lundqvist was kind of working out the kinks with this new style. And this year, he's got it down pat, and we're seeing results now. Benoit Lair is a absolute god. I have nothing else to say. Yep, and 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 Hank has a work ethic that's second to none. He, at, even at this point in his career, still puts in the work every single day to get better every single day. And it shows. It's very obvious. He wants to win. He's driven. The happiest I've ever seen him is when he wins gold medals with Sweden. So, it's. I know he wants this for the Rangers. Is it going to be possible? The team around him and the coaching and the strategy, not so much. Well, the elephant in the room, we focus a lot on how bad the Rangers' defense is, but not for nothing. The offense sucks. The five-on-five even-strength offense the Rangers have deployed this year has been just pitiful. And some some of that is due to um, player deployment, and some of that is just due to the fact that the Rangers are thin. They were struggling even with Kreider in the lineup. You take Kreider out of the lineup, and it's had a noticeable impact, mostly because – I, I mean, it's not all AV's fault. At some point, you do have to hold the players accountable. At the same time, AV has failed to put players in advantageous positions. I, 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 the fact that the Rangers aren't playing an overloaded top six right now just to try and generate any kind of scoring is inexcusable to me. Nothing is working. The Rangers have tried spreading talent throughout the lines, which is everyone's go-to defense for why Pavel Buchnevich is not in the top six, and that hasn't worked. Not once has Elaine Vigneault tried to just overload a top six and stop rolling four lines. He hasn't done it. And what we get is, when's, I, off the top of my head, I cannot remember the last time the Rangers won a game in regulation. That's, it might have been, been the Kings? I will go back. No. I will look for us. Uh, well, it, yeah, Ryan, while you're looking, I mean, Greg, that's 100% correct. They've been awful 5v5 all year. When they had that great win streak that they went on to you know, recover the season, that was mostly power play generated with Shattenkirk and Zibanejad lighting up the league on the power play. It was the yeah. Ducks, by the way, 4-1. Was that after the King game? I thought that came before the Kings it was game. After, it was the week. Uh, it was four days later against the Ducks. Jesus. Yep. That was, what, three weeks ago? Yep. That <laughs> was 12-19, uh, my friend. The Rangers haven't had a regulation win in almost when the, the next time they play would have been almost a month. But since o- their last other than that, win. the Kings are really the last one. And then I mean, I guess we beat the Devils five two. So yeah, it's been a while. It's it's a problem, and I just again, this is one of those things where there's a problem and it needs to be answered. And instead, the Rangers treat it like the SAT and they just skip it and they just assume that they won't lose credit on the answer or the question because they didn't answer it. It, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. You know what? Lot, I, I, I don't want to say this either, but this team's kind of boring to watch these days. Yeah, it, because they can't score. It's they can't score, and all they do is bleed shots. When when your favorite team can't score, and all they do is bleed shots, you're not going to have a good time watching the game. It's I'm like watching. watching a baseball game when your favorite team somehow keeps runners off uh, from scoring despite giving up 12 hits a night. Yeah, it's like watching any National League team. <laughs> Shots fired. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. You're not, not beating today. Me. Not today. Don't complain. No, but no, about Greg, talking about the Mets too much. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to keep it. Greg, general your point, baseball though. analogy. Not today, yeah. Satan. 
to your point, the, the team's taken a big downturn offensively too. They are still somehow top five in the league and expected goals for per sixty. Which, but did you did you see uh, Tierney's new shot rate chart today? Oh, their their shot attempts is they're I think twenty sixth in the league in Corsi four, and they're second last in Corsi against, which I'm sure would firmly firmly put them in that bad quadrant. Uh, we are second. Worst team in the league in, in, in terms of Sean Tierney's shot rate. Only the Coyotes are below us. Yeah, yeah. And the Coyotes are the – I said, you know, we're second to last in Corsi against for 60. Coyotes are dead last. Drew, I have to ask you this. We, we didn't – I don't know if we talked about this earlier because we're recording this interview first. But how would you feel about selling off part of this team? Rick Nash, Grabner. It's, as long as we get a good, you know, a decent price, I'm not one of those that's just like just sell to the highest bidder. If the highest bidder is a shit bid, then fuck it, hold on to it, and you know, cross your fingers and hope that something happens in the playoffs. Because I, as mu- as much as I've been shitting on this team today, I still think they find a way into the playoffs just because Lundqvist and Pavlik have been that good. But uh, I'm off. My biggest fear is that they become buyers. This team reminds me a lot of that. Was it 2015? The Yandel team, baby. I hated that. But go on. Oh, and Alexis Sorella just made the pro. So that's fun. Um, But anyway, uh, yeah, my biggest fear is them being buyers because this is not a team worth buying. And you know that the team would do something stupid like, oh, try to panic buy to plug the hole for Kreider. the only way I'm okay with being a buyer is if you're buying for next year. I, I am of the belief that if you fire the coach and make a couple personnel tweaks, that this team can be very good next year. I, I think the core is intact. I think we still got at least another year of Lundquist. So if they make a move that will improve the team drastically for next year, then I'm okay with it. Um, if they sell and get some draft picks or a prospect or two, I'm completely fine with that too. I love Rick Nash, but you know, if someone wants to overpay for Rick Nash, bye bye, have fun elsewhere. Um, Grabner has been playing ridiculously well. I don't think anyone's stupid enough to give up a first round pick for him, but you might get a deal like you saw last year for I think it was Patrick Eves, where it was like you know second round pick, and if the team makes the conference finals, it converts to a first round pick. I'd be perfectly fine with that, by the way. Yeah, me so would I. I just yeah. The other the other thing with talking about buying and selling for the Rangers is it's it feels like people want this team to be better, but they don't want to infuse new talent to make it better. Because you, you ask just about this is again doesn't apply to everyone, but you ask a handful of Ranger fans, hey, do you want Rick Nash, Michael Grabner back? They say yes, but at the same time, you got to change something. You can't just run this entire team back. And as much as I hate Holden, it's not like he's going to fix everything when he leaves. There's plenty of holes elsewhere on this team that need addressing. The only thing the Rangers have for certain, in my mind, is goaltending. And I just I, the, the sad thing is I no longer know how long that for certain thing is. But yeah, yeah, I love Rick Nash. I've, I've been on this podcast supporting Rick Nash in the face of Ryan's unwarranted criticism. You don't say. Seemingly all season. Huh. Uh I, I would trade Rick Nash, and then if he wants to come back on a quote-unquote hometown discount, great. If not, you, you got to create openings for other players on this team somewhere. You have to bring in new talent because the, the, the 23 players the Rangers put out on the ice on a nightly basis just ain't good enough. It, they, they have definitely a core to build around. They have the right idea in a lot of places, but they don't have a complete team. And the only way you're going to get a complete team is by infusing new young 
talent and in some cases proven veteran talent. And when I say proven veteran, I don't mean Tanner Glass. Right. A bunch of people. Yeah, I've I've planted my flag on the Max Pacioretty hill and I'm prepared to die on it. I'm not going to necessarily say go for Pacioretty, but I'm perfectly fine with trading JT Miller. He is the player that Ranger fans overrate the most. And let me make this clear. JT Miller is a very good player, but he's a second line wing. He, you know, he can play up on the first line fine. People point to his point totals like, hey, look, he's going to get 50 something points this year again. Cool. And 20 to 20 of those are secondary assists, which are a combination of lucky and unrepeatable. Um, Secondary assists are pretty useless when you want to analyze, try to project what a player is going to be in the future. People always talk about how young JT Miller is. He's about to be 25 this season. NHL forwards typically don't get that much better after 25, especially when it comes to scoring. They'll develop better defensively and stuff like that. But when it comes to scoring, you typically see NHL forwards peak out around 25. I don't think his ceiling is much higher than it is now. He'll probably get a little bit better defensively, which you know, there's a lot of room for improvement there because he's not good in his own zone. He's one of the worst on the team in almost every single defensive metric. Um, and again, I, it sounds like I'm shitting on him right here. I like JT Miller a lot, but when you get people tell me that he's better than Max Pacioretty, like, get the fuck out of here. Max Pacioretty is a no, even in a down season, is a no-brainer top 25 wing in the NHL. JT Miller maybe is a top 50 wing, maybe. But, you know, he's homegrown, so let's overrate the hell out of him. It's not just that. It's just you have to trade something of value to get something of value in return. Bullshit. Not everyone, not unless you're doing a deal with the Oilers. It's <laughs> most as stupid as most GMs are in the NHL. Not everyone's the Oilers. The Rangers are not going to be able to trade Nick Holden for Leon Dreisaitl, even though they might. But if you want someone like Pacioretty, you got to give up something in return. And it's it just – Again, my whole point of that trade was not only would it make the range, it would make the Rangers better this year, but that's not even the point of the trade. The point of the trade is you're getting a guy who is, as Drew mentioned, a top 20 winger on a contract that Jonathan Marcheseau is going to make more money than Max Petrovic next year. Money. It's, it's a $4.5 million cap hit for a top 20 winger. You're not going to get that deal on the open market from anywhere. So even if you're only getting Pacioretty for a year plus, it's still worth it because that year plus is going to be more valuable in terms of dollar amount and value added to your roster than anything JT Miller is going to do in the next year plus. And we're ignoring the fact that Miller has a payday coming and Miller's payday will be north of four and a half million dollars. Yeah, I'll be stunned if it's not five. Now, is that even a conceivable trade for us? No, Montreal would say no real quick. Not not straight up. The offer I put out there that I think is intriguing would be Miller, D'Angelo, Tim Gettinger, and a draft pick. Probably a second rounder. Um, yeah, that that's that's a little I mean, that's fair trade. Um I wouldn't definitely that would not be my opening offer for sure. Um if I was the Gorton, I'd call and obviously you say, hey, I'll give you JT Miller first. And when they laugh and hang up, then you call back, okay, I'll give you a second round pick too and kind of go from there. Um, I just, I have this, I, I love Tony D'Angelo. I, I mean, he's not that valuable. Oh, Drew, come on now. 2018, you love Tony D'Angelo? 
Yeah, I love him. I don't give a shit about my athletes' political opinions. Listen, I'm very liberal. Um, I don't give a shit about my athletes' political opinions. Um, I do very much care about the stupid shit, the homophobic crap he's throwing around and is known for. But when it comes to the politics, I don't care. Most hockey players are Republicans. Fucking get over it. Most baseball players are Republicans. Any sport that's predominantly rich white dudes, they're all Republicans. Get over it. Yeah, because they make millions of dollars and they love not paying taxes. Anyway, that's been talking politics. <laughs> I'll clear that up. But you, so you like Tony D'Angelo a lot as a player. Do you think he's actually? That's a good point. To is there a time where he's going to come up? Like, is that anytime yeah. soon? He should. I mean, you could call him up right now, and he at least do what Nick Holden's doing, which is give you some offense and suck in the defensive zone. Um, D'Angelo has actually done pretty well in Hartford. I was talking to I think his name's Ricky Milner. I want to say he's kind. He's like a a blogger for the Hartford Wolfpack, and he was saying that. Not only is D'Angelo producing points recently, but he just looks really good. He's making smart plays, smart reads. He's gotten better in the defensive zone. Uh, when he first got sent down there, apparently he was you know, his typical crybaby self and sucked for a couple of weeks because he didn't want to be there. Um, there were no reports that he was acting out or anything, but the general thought from what I read was he was just throwing a hissy fit. But he's come around and he's been great recently. And I'd be perfectly happy with you know jettisoning Holden to the moon and – playing you know move shattenkirk up to the top line have the second line be shade smith and a third line of d'angelo and stall yeah it doesn't sound terrible no it doesn't and the going back a little bit to camphor it, it's not even so much that brandon smith's been bad i don't think there's anyone here trying to say brandon smith has actually been good the problem is the replacement player you're using to fill smith's role is worse and there are better options available and whatever you feel about the likes of, okay, so you don't want Tony D'Angelo sitting in a press box every night, so you send him down to Hartford. That's fine. We're at a point, where, or we're getting to a point with guys like Neil Pionk and Ryan Graves, where it's just more valuable for them to be in the NHL. And if they're playing once every two weeks, because that's how you want to deploy them, then fine. I, I just, those are players, I don't know what more Ryan Graves has to prove in Hartford. It, it's just not apparent to me. He's been there long enough where you, you know what you have. And I don't know if his development is being significantly impacted by him just remaining in Hartford for another year. What At some point, and it's human nature, you get bored. Yeah, You, you want more. You want to do something bigger. You just you get tired of it, knowing that you should be a level above where you are. Where, whatever your profession is, it's not just hockey players. If you feel like wherever you work, you've deserved the promotion, your work's going to slack because you're just you're tired of not getting the recognition you feel like you've earned. And for Ryan, Ryan Graves, I don't, I, again, I'm not watching Hartford on a nightly basis. I have nothing in terms of reports out of Hartford to corroborate what I'm saying. But at some point, Ryan Graves is going to get bored. And he's going to want to do something different. That's all I'm saying. And that time will be soon, my friend. I think, have we touched on pretty much everything we want to do today, my friends? Yeah. Check, 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 yeah. check, check, check. I guess I'll say one last thing to add, just because I couldn't join in on the pod over the weekend. Uh, oh, if yeah. Out, if you're outraged by Lias Anderson, or Leas Anderson, it is Leas. It is Leas. Outraged by Leas Anderson tossing his medal into the stands. Uh, go take a long walk off a short short pier in shark-infested water. Yeah. 
Well, and, and and maybe we'll have Dan LaRose, who does not believe that, sometime soon on this podcast. I did tell him we'd have him on today, but we don't. We were short on time. So uh, we'll talk to our good friend Dan soon. Because he is on the other side, and I really want to hear the argument. I really don't know well, what you could do. I understand if you don't think it's like this great leadership thing. Like, I get it. Like, it, it's probably not the best decision he could have made. Just, but to be outraged by it, like, go fuck yourself. I, and the people that are outraged by it are also the ones that are always bitching about how this outrage culture we live in nowadays. Well, what the hell do you think you're doing right now? Flipping out over a 19-year-old, tossing a medal into the stands after he shook hands and stood for the anthem and all that crap. The thing I hate are the people that are like, well, he disrespected his country and his flag. No, I, I'm yet to meet anyone or hear a report out of Sweden that's criticized Leah Anderson. I mean, we talk to a couple of Swedish people every day in our Discord channel, and none of them had a problem with it. It, it, you, it, it would be one thing if a Swede told me, yeah, that was disrespectful. I don't want to hear an American tell me it's disrespecting the Swedish flag by throwing away the medal. Pretty sure we don't get a say in what disrespects the Swedish flag. It's That's, not exactly our cup of tea. Not really our country, by the way. No. <laughs> no. So th- get that fucking argument out of my face. Someone used that argument against me uh, over the weekend and then subsequently blocked me. Um, Mitchell that. Beck, fuck you. Hey. Uh, welcome, welcome to the Steve Zippe Hall of Fame there, buddy. Hey, shout outs. It's just it, that it's so weak. It has nothing to do with it's not your country. So you can't use the flag argument. You, it's I'm 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 making a declaration. It's it's illegal. It's not allowed. I'm putting you in Twitter jail if you do. You're in Twitter jail. All right, Drew. Uh, plug your stuff. Yeah. So the one thing I'll plug. I mean, obviously, BlueShirtsBreakaway.com. BlueShirtsBreakaway.com, where you write these. This is a lot of time for us, and, and do Blue Shirts Breakaway takeaways every Monday. You don't say. Yeah, that and you know, there are a bunch of us that are good. Sean's great. Nick came on recently; is great. Greg's great. Keatner, um, Rex is coming out with a new piece soon. That's really good. Uh, yeah, I think we got a lot going on there. I'm excited about uh, the one thing that I've been referencing for literally over a month, and it's taking me so much longer than I thought it would do would be to do. But I'm creating an analytics glossary, which is kind of in the beginning. Ryan was saying that I try to you know make stats more digestible. Well, this is really hopefully going to be the end all be all with that. I am. It's this massive uh, piece right now. It's already over 15,000 words. Um, It is. It defines every analytic term you can possibly want to know about. And then it also provides a layman's term explanation and then also gives context to how to actually use the stat. Then it also uh, explains key concepts you need to know in the background in order to use these stats. And then it'll also provide our recommendations for resources you can use to learn more and people on Twitter to follow uh, to know more. And I'm probably about a week or so away from finishing that. I'm working with Dean, our awesome website guy, to uh, figure out how to make it as like a fixed page, a resource, as opposed to just a one-off article. Mm-hmm. And there'll be a full version and a brief version. There'll be the full version with everything in that you want to know about. But if you want to just know quickly, you know, just a definition of a stat, I'll have, you know, your standard term and definition glossary as well. So I'm excited for it. Should be good. And, uh, you know, hopefully it helps some people learn. Also, your Twitter is uh, Drew. I'm terrible. <laughs> yeah, um, actually, you know, I don't. Hold on, let me pull this up. I know it's at Drew's way, but I can never remember if I have an underscore or not. Uh, that's it. what I was gonna uh, say, but I didn't want to say yeah, the wrong it's thing. It's at Drew's way. D R E W S underscore W A Y. There you go. All right, and I'll, as always, follow us on Twitter at Bushwick Break, guys. Our Patreon has sixty-seven supporters. 
We just nice, almost nice. You know what I mean? We need two more. You've spent <laughs> you've spent a dollar on worse. Don't lie to me. You've done it. Throw a dollar at our face this week. Get us to 69 supporters. Join our Discord. Become a supporter. I'd really appreciate it. If you don't, that's fine, too. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks, Drew, so much for coming on. Greg, I love you, buddy. I guess. Theoretically. I guess I do love you. I'm 50-50 on it. Yeah, same. We'll see you guys next week. Only Ranger talk this week, guys? Oh, my God. Blue Shirt Breakaway, are you okay after all those iTunes reviews that just shit on you for talking about everything else? Yes, we are fine. Have a great day. Bye-bye.